Welcome y bienvenidos to Presently Aquí with Claudia, an insightful mindfulness podcast to help you discover ways to control your thoughts, emotions, fears, and essentially mastering self-love. Hi everyone and welcome to Presently Aquí with Claudia. Today I have a very special guest coming in from the UK. Her name is Lorna Wilson. Lorna is an advanced hypnotherapist, shamanic practitioner, mentor, and spiritual life coach. Lorna became a close student of the late Dolores Cannon, the pioneer of the quantum healing hypnosis method. She's also the author of a practitioner's manual on how to conduct healing journeys into the quantum realities. And she has also just published a book called Quantum Shift, Healing the Fragmented Soul that Combines Her Shamanic Techniques with Hypnosis. Welcome, Lorna. Hi, Claudia. Hi, how are you? I'm really well. So glad to have you. Oh, thank you for coming on, really. And and for your patience. Oh, my goodness. Uh, for the listeners out there, we've been having some technical difficulties. <laughs> and so we're here, finally. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind. It was great just having a moment to sit still doing nothing. You are the sweetest. Amazing. <laughs> so I'll start with some uh, ice-breaking questions and um, we'll get warmed up to start a really deep conversation. So first, uh, Lorna, tell me, what is your favorite cuisine or what your favorite meal is? Um, well, gosh, there are so many. I love, what do I love? I, I love healthy food. Mm. So I would say I love Actually, I just love traveling and eating healthy food. <laughs> I love healthy, it. Healthy, colorful, freshly cooked food. So, because um, I live in the UK, mm. and the UK isn't known for its cuisine. Right, so, right. <laughs> and because it's, we don't have great summers, mm. it's not often that there's a, a huge abundance of fruits and vegetables that are just mm, ripe and full of enzymes so my favorite foods are natural healthy cooked foods i remember um, last time you were telling me about the date syrup oh yes mm -hmm. so that's a snack though that's either a snack or breakfast so i love fresh fruits and that's why i love traveling because i love tropical fresh fruits because mm. they're so tasty and They smell good and colorful, yes. but I love fresh fruits chopped up quite prettily mm. with a date syrup mm. on top of it. And for breakfast, I might have that with um, yogurt mm. oh. or granola. Yeah, I, I actually ordered some from our conversation last time. I was like, I have to try this, so I'm waiting for it. <laughs> oh, you're going to love it. If you have a little bit of a sweet tooth, you're going to love it. Okay, fantastic. And what is your astrology sign? I'm a Leo. Oh, you're a Leo. Oh, yeah. love it. The strength in there. Okay. And Leo season just passed, too. So happy belated yeah, birthday. Yeah, I just had a recent birthday yes, yes thank you yes amazing and from all your travels what's your favorite vacation place to travel to i tend to love egypt oh of course i love egypt and i love bolivia oh i have not gone to bolivia okay oh i have to go back another time i've been a few times mm. and i absolutely love it there's just something about the country mm. 
about the people that are very heart centered and connected and I just absolutely love it. I'm sure I must have had past lives there. Must have, because I'm yeah. my, my because past. Because when I go, I feel like I'm at home. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I once I get to Egypt, I'll let you know if that's how it feels for me, because that's my past life for sure. Well, I I feel very connected to Egypt. So Egypt is like my quick getaway, mm. four hours flight from the UK. Mm. And so I can do that once or twice a year, just as a quick getaway. Amazing. But if I have more time and um, the inclination, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely do South America. Let, let me ask you, what's the energetic energetic feeling like when you're there? In Egypt? Yes. Well, I always felt drawn to it when mm. I was younger, but I didn't know why. Mm. And when I finally went, I went with an author, Patricia Corey, and this was maybe 2009, and it should have been a trip that was scheduled for, I think, 30 of us, mm. but we ended up having 60-something of us. And the fascinating thing wow. is that many of us are were so interconnected. It was obvious we'd had past lives together before, oh. and we're still in touch, and it was just absolutely profound. But one of the things I realized on when I went to Egypt mm. is when you look at pictures of the pyramid, or the pyramids, they look very much like wallpaper in the sense that they just look perfect. Right. But when you're actually there, it's really rough, rugged stone. And you can see crystals in the stone. Ah. And I realized that something about Egypt with that crystalline alabaster kind of a texture in the stones has a etheric connection with many of us mm. because what happened in such a large group and including myself is that we had i don't want to say interdimensional shifts but it was like at times we were phased in and out of our present reality and a past time but in a personal way mm. where for many of us it was very moving right. and lots shifted wow. and i think it's because within the stone there there's crystals and you know crystals vibrate and hold frequencies so (laughs) i don't know if you're into that sort of stuff (laughs) but it was like opening up the etheric field for many of us it was profound magical experiences that's why i'm asking because i know that it was when it was at its peak it was with all these crystals predominantly quartz right to be a conductor of energy so that's why I asked. So it makes sense that you felt that, like that shift interdimensionally. It makes sense. And we all so had private time in the pyramid mm. and they have the sarcophagus, but in our group, they called it the resonance box. And so we each had a time to lay in there. <gasps> and while it, on one trip, um, they played um, Lapis Lazuli, crystal bowl wow and we got it was a smaller group that time so we had more time to be in it it was absolutely profound because the granite you can actually see the quartz and it's just it was profound i'd highly recommend you oh you see i'm excited God. just yeah. speaking about it yeah, even I'd the lapis lazuli bowl are you kidding me oh my god yeah. next time you go yeah. tell me i will be there yeah. like seriously yeah. that's truly what i'm looking the experience i'm looking for so 
That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Oh my yeah. goodness. Uh, yeah. So the thing is from the UK, it's just a four or five hour flight. Whereas where you're coming from, you have to come to Europe. Yes. I think, because that's what the right. Americans did. And then they went on. So uh, the one thing I do love about London is that it's like a pivot point for traveling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, correct. Because for me, I'm in Los Angeles. So the vi- the pivot point is mostly just Pacific, right? Yeah. And obviously in, in here and also uh, Central America. So, you know, it has its, uh, every, every pivot point has its, pros and cons but for me i would prefer to be closer to egypt but i'll eventually yeah. get there <laughs> i hope you do i do lorna let's dive into our deep conversation here lorna what was your path to self-discovery like um wow do you know sometimes i try to think what was it that really was a turning point mm. and i really can't put my finger on that it's almost as though I've always just walked in two worlds. Mm. I've always been, I'm a middle child, so the middle child tends to be left on their own a bit. So I was a voracious reader, and I was drawn to things to do with humans. I didn't really like science fiction that much, but humans and things to do with how we are and who we are always fascinated me. So even though in my early life I was very much sex, drugs, and rock and roll, to use that term. (laughs) There was another part of me that was like Sister Mary Mm. that was a bit devout and um, very much into the spiritual. But I think that it it all really shifted maybe when I was in my 30s and I was shifting from one career Mm. and for a moment I became a bit of a housewife so I had time for myself and to really indulge myself in um, Mm. loads of books. I had great relationships with bookshops that would just, it was all by phone and they would just um, mail me whatever the newest books were. So I spent a couple of years just really indulging myself. And I think that's what sort of shifted me. But, you know, from even in my 20s, And maybe before that, when I first read about reincarnation Mm. and things like that, I was very open to that. When I read about aliens and things of that nature, I was very open to that. So I don't really have a a set point of an awakening. It was like, I just was always me. And I've come to the conclusion we're all hardwired to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I bet you have a nice library at home because I'm also an avid book reader. So I can definitely resonate with that part and just consuming knowledge. And um, and it's also the human behavior part also kind of goes into the author, right? Like how do they write and how do they explain things, right? And that's how we're able to digest what, what they're sharing. What I find fascinating about reading is that it's like you get to live many different characters Mm -hmm. because you know how you think and how you feel. And suddenly you read about these different individuals who think and feel differently. So it opens up your perception to many different ways of being. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think that 
for children, I would always recommend lots of reading, yes. except nowadays they're mostly on their device. Sadly, that's the case, yeah. you know. Um, you know, when we were growing up, that didn't exist. So that was wonderful. And we were able to be more creative and in tune with ourselves. Um, yeah. And at what point in your life, you know, what was your pivotal moment where you decided to do what you do today? I was married at one point and my then husband went to a past life workshop mm. and he came home and he told me the most fascinating things. And I never used to believe a lot of what he said because <laughs> <laughs> he used to really elaborate and, you know, right. exaggerate. And so I thought that, well, I'm going to go check this out for myself. So that was the first point in time that I actually went and checked it out mm. and I actually took the training. And after I did the training, I realized I knew how to take people into past lives, but I really didn't know much about hypnotherapy because I learned about past life regression. And so then I thought, well, I really need to understand hypnotherapy. Right. So from there, I then went and learned hypnotherapy mm. but I'd have to say that was my first real introduction to, into uh, the non-physical or uh, accessing the non-physical right right no it's beautiful I mean Lorna helped me with my past life regression and I was one of those people that heard about it but never leaned into it um, and my personal experience which I share with Lorna was just it, it just happened to me and it was at home and it just happened I wasn't looking for it so you know immediately that's a gift on its own and that was so many years ago I, I would say maybe five six years ago and then meeting Lorna today and to help me with that um, processing it and shifting my whole self because of it and you know it's been I think two weeks since we did that and I will tell you today Lorna that it makes sense why it came up today and why I met you, right? And why I was able to process and clear that um, past life regression. And I haven't been the same since, Lorna. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you managed to connect many dots I in your life. I did. It's incredible. And I feel more powerful and a lot more stronger within myself because of it. So, mm -hmm. and, and it's incredible, everyone that's listening. Like, it didn't take long. Lorna did not sit with me for not even 30 minutes. It was five minutes, and it was life-changing for me. So I am in debt to you, and thank you. A million thank yous. Oh, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Seriously. What we did, you did with just a breath. But so traditional hypnotherapy, they like to do an induction and all of that, th and then they create, you know, are you deep enough or not? And what I've learned to do, because I've combined it with my shamanic awareness, mm. is to just access things through your breath, right. because our breath connects us to the source right. of our life. Right. And our breath is a bridge between the physical and the non-physical, mm -hmm. and the non-physical is so many layers and levels of consciousness and awareness. Yes. And so simply through the breath, we can access information. And so what you did, you did in a very short time. Really? And also within each of us 
is stored knowledge mm -hmm. because it's as though our body and our unconscious mind, or you can call it the subconscious mind, yes. is the whole history of our soul. Mm. And so within ourselves, there's the awareness and the knowledge of everything that we may have a question about, yes. whether it's something we want to add to the quality of our life right. or have closure on or really any questions the answers really are within us. And how did you get into shamanism? How was that? Was that following the past life class or what was like, what, what was the path there that built into what you do? <laughs> well, I just kind of fell into it. <laughs> but what I've realized is all the things I fell into, mm. I've had many past lives or my soul has of those experiences. Right. But how that happened in this lifetime was a friend invited me to go to a shamanic workshop with her. And so I went to keep her company. Mm. And I was one of the ones that could journey and get results and answers for others. <laughs> <laughs> and it just came very natural to me. Wow. But I've had um, past life regressions with individuals who are, they're describing what's going on in their past life. And in one case, um, on a gypsy encampment, the client, they had to call the shaman in for, can't remember what was going on. And then she said, very shocked, she said, oh, it's you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that to me was a bit of confirmation that, um, yeah, in that case. But then I've done my own explorations and it's something I've done. And that's what I tell clients all the time, to be honest. Mm. You're, we're never drawn to anything that's not a part of our soul's history. Right. right. If it's not a part of our history, we'll have no interest in it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're drawn to music mm -hmm. or art or creativity or healing or anything, I guarantee you, you've got lifetimes mm -hmm. or your soul has where you've done similar things or worked in that area. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the things you can actually reintegrate. Right. So you can bring in more of the skills that you have that's stored within the soul's history. That's that's great. Actually leads to my next question. What is the process of what you do? Um, because you know, I got a little taste for it, but I know the listeners don't have a clue. But just to get a sense of what you do offer and, and how you, you know, put that together for the client. So if you imagine that we're spiritual beings, and that, that's really everything we come up with is labels that we try to conceptualize something. Right. But as spiritual beings, we're literally formless because spirituality or consciousness, it's in everything, plants, animals, nature. Mm -hmm. And so it's formless. So when we come into a physical form, we're confined to what that form is. So if, for example, we're a bird, we'll have the confines of what it means to be a bird right. or a fish or a plant, and in our case, humans. And so if you imagine that the formlessness of consciousness, it's always going to be information. In many um, scientific ways, they might speak of it as fields of consciousness mm. or streams of consciousness. And if you think about it, those descriptions are very much like nature, streams, water, oh, yeah. fields, yeah. nature. So they think in terms of consciousness as being informational fields. Mm. And so we're put together 
by different informational fields. And that's what will compose who we are. For example, family patterns will bring their own informational fields, um, our gifts and talents, our belief systems. And so within all of us is, uh, call it a matrix, that's a very popular word, a matrix of our own connections to the non-physical and their fields of consciousness. And consciousness is always information. Mm. And so we as humans, we create our life through the stories we tell ourselves or the stories the culture tells us or the family beliefs. And so if you go into your own self and to go into yourself, it's a matter of going within to your own inner being. And by that, I mean, if, for example, deep meditation Mm. where you want to access yourself inside rather than the external things you will be able to access information about yourself simply by bringing those streams of consciousness together Mm -hmm. so to clarify things for your listeners what we did was for example you may have had an issue or a query or something you need closure on or an experience you wanted to understand or even a dream that you wanted to go back into that dream to access more information about it. So if you closed your eyes and just took a nice deep breath in, and the reason you take that deep breath is to connect you to the source of your life, Mm. to the source of everything about you. And so you take a deep breath in and then you just focus on whatever it is that you want to address for whatever reason. So if it's trauma that you want to clear, you bring to mind all the worst things about that trauma, Mm. how it impacts you emotionally, mentally, perhaps who said what, when, what happened, all the things you never want to feel anymore because it makes you feel uncomfortable. If it's skills that you want to acquire, let's say you have a business idea, but you're not sure how to go about it, you would then bring to mind all the questions you have Mm. about bringing that business to fruition. If it's things you have like panic attacks, everything will have a history or a root. So you'll bring to mind how that impacts on you. Mm. So the first step is that eye closure to signal your inner being that you're going within. It's your breath to connect you to the source of your life that knows everything about you, your soul, effectively. And then it's bringing to mind the consciousness streams that you either want closure on, insights, healing, or you want to connect with. And then you would take another breath to change the flow. And then your own conscious mind will bring to mind something that is significant regarding the reason that you're having that moment right so if it's um i said panic attacks so if we focused on panic attacks Mm. it would be a matter of once you take that breath you would let your mind drift back to another time where you had a panic attack Mm, okay and if you did that you would then discover what was going on in your life at that time so let's say the panic attack, it took you back to the age of five or six. Mm-hmm. And so if you just breathe your awareness into that five or six-year-old, you would know and understand what they're thinking, what decisions are they making about themselves or life. In other words, what are they wiring mm-hmm. into their brains 
neuroplasticity that's now going to be something factual that they're going to live from and once they access that you can have them step away from that five or six year old and in real time the adult you can communicate with the child you and let the child know that you've come back to reintegrate that part of yourself that's been mm. stuck in the story. Right, right. That's been left behind, hold in all of the story. In shamanic terms, it's called soul loss. Mm. So I would have effectively lost a part of my soul. Right. You can't really, but it's a concept. Right. <laughs> that stayed stuck in that story. And so I'm now going to continue living that story because right. a part of me has not been able to move on. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's actually remarkable and powerful because it's, as you're saying it, it sounds so simple, but when you're doing it, right, there's so much going on internally and, you know, having that healing process is, is also courage, right? For the person to even step into that uh, place and wanting to have resolution Um, and coming to, you know, a a person like Lorna to help you. Um, I think that that's one, A, that the listener should know that it's courageous for you to even want to get to the root of any healing and then having the process and knowing yourself, right? Because even as you're going through it with the breath and if you've never done this or maybe meditated a few times but never gone this deep, it's another part of yourself that you get to know right? And understand. And it's it's kind of like um, getting to know a friend that you've known for as long as you've been alive, but there's certain parts that you never really delve into about yourself, right? And that also opens up another part of yourself to explore and also possibly open up part of your heart, right? That, that's been possibly clogged by whatever the situation that you're going through, that's not letting the flow go through the, the, that life energy to flow through your heart and to your mind and to your soul. Right. So it's no, it, it makes all the sense what you're saying, like it, even the root, right. Cause that's always the case. Like what is the root of the problem and that's how you solve it. But the, the logic mind wants to do it and think about it. Right. And how, what is it? And it's, it's not going to find it until you get in within yourself you have to get in there the wonderful thing about using your breath is that you do not have to re-experience anything traumatic Mm, mm, okay so oftentimes people think i can't go back into that because it was traumatic right but when you use your breath you actually shift into the higher perspective of the soul so you shift beyond the emotions. Right. And from that perspective, as an observer, uh-huh. you're not having to relive anything. Right. So even if a person has severe um, abuse issues, mm-hmm. they don't connect with the abuse issues at all. What they access is their thoughts and feelings, their reactions right. to what was going on. Right. And what they mostly discover And children, they like to say children are resilient. Mm -hmm. They're not really. They're just fragmenting and suppressing and getting on with life. And so what they discover, an adult, when they go back into a childhood 
uncomfortable situation is they discover that what was going on around them has really nothing to do with them. Mm. They created a belief because we will personalize our lives until we're maybe in our mid thirties. But when they're in that space of the observer Mm -hmm. and the communicator and the rescuer of that part of themselves that stayed stuck in the story, they realized, for example, um, a person who may feel, even though as an adult they're thin and gorgeous and everything, may feel quite fat and like there's something wrong with them because they were a fat child or they were led to believe they were fat. And in one case... When the child, when the adult went back into the child's perspective, she discovered why she had that belief she was fat was because her mother had um, weight issues. And what her mother was, would do, this scene that she got taken back to was in a shopping mall where her mother was buying her larger clothes than her actual size mm. because they didn't have much money. And the mother was buying the clothes for her to grow into. Right. And so when she accessed what's going on for the mother, because you can access other people's awareness, she discovered that the mother was thinking about her own childhood where she had to wear the hand-me-downs of others and Mm. they were always tight on her, so it made her feel like she was fat. Interesting. And so it was very liberating for my client to discover that what she had taken on as a fact and had been living for a couple of decades wasn't true at all. Right. So the stories we tell ourselves are never true. They're a reaction to what we perceive is going on around us. Wow. That is powerful. That is something else. Yeah. Liberating for sure for her. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm just like imagining being her and just going through the process and just realizing like, aha, that's what has been going on this whole time and now you know and you can move forward right and heal and move on because one thing i've also learned and i'm going through a transitional moment in my life is just how much of the past and even right uh our families like how you were saying your family's field of consciousness that they bring into your life and how much of that affects your decisions to make in the present moment and in the future. So it's really difficult to build on to something when you're still holding on to the traumas from the past. Um, so that's really incredible. I'm sure she must have been like, oh, I, I know where I can go from here and how I can move forward, right? The traumas from the past are a way that the soul creates the foundation for why we're here Mm. to move and work through certain things. So one of the really strong imprinting points of the trauma or the beliefs are when we're in the womb Mm. and we're just completely saturated with mother's feelings and emotions. And because we personalize things, we're not able to say, oh, that's her stuff. We're like, oh, why am I feeling this way? It must be because of this, that, and the other. And for example, imagine that you're a girl in the womb and for some reason everyone wants a boy. And so you're in the the body and you're feeling your mother worried about, you know, if it's not a boy, maybe the family won't be happy or, you know, I've got all these girls, I really want a boy. And you're in there feeling her mother's thoughts and emotions and you know you're a girl 
So you're going to start disliking your body because it's the wrong one. Mm -hmm. And you're going to start disliking yourself and you're going to tell yourself, well, she doesn't want me. Right, right. And so this will continue throughout the pregnancy. And then when you're born and everyone's like, it's a girl. Right. Rather than happiness, it's a boy. Right, it's a disappointment. That's like the final disappointment. Mm. And so these will be the children that sometimes mother will be like, I just don't know why this child doesn't settle down with me. Oh, and wow. She can be closer to the other children, right. but for some reason this child just, we just kind of clash. And it's because the child has already created the belief mother's rejected her. And so she's then... I'm going to reject mother because, well, you don't want me, so I know I can't get close to you. Right. And so they're both living from this um, space of rejecting each other, not realizing it's just a purely accidental way that the soul gets pre-programmed for what's to come. But what you will find is that those girls who end up being the tomboys mm -hmm. or that they wanted a boy, they tend to have quite a strength and a strong backbone. Mm. And when you look back at their life, you see that they were quite destined to have that strength. And they got that strength by having to identify more with the masculine way of being. Right. So for example, if I'm a tomboy, in my mind as a child, I'm trying to be mum's little boy, right. or I'm trying to be the boy that they really want. So right. I might be competitive with sports or different things, right. trying to get them to like me. And it's all unconscious. It's not something we right. tell ourselves. But when you go into the subconscious mind, it reveals itself. Incredible. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the root, in the womb, all the way, all the way from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. <laughs> Forget past lives. Let's start at the womb. That makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense, though, Lorna. Um, because I actually was thinking about that, you know, when a lot of unwanted pregnancies happen, right? And um, a lot of these young women are not in the right mental state of mind. And, you know, as you're You're, the baby's in there and there's so much going on outside of that. And the mother, you know, they could also be drug addicts or whatever negative situation that they're in um, can definitely pre-program a child's destiny unconsciously, right? That's really incredible. It absolutely does. And you'll often find that those are the children or they become adults eventually that feels in many ways invisible. Mm, mm. Um, I don't know who I am. Right. No one really listens to me. Yeah. I have issues communicating. Right. And then when you track it back, you can, or they can also see how obvious it is that a child who has that experience is going to think and feel right. in that way that they do. So one of the things I tell all my clients, and I really want them to understand this, is that every single one of us, every single human being, is completely normal given the experiences that we've had. Mm. So oftentimes we think we're not normal. We think everyone else is normal, you right, know, even right. though that's quite a loose generic <laughs> word, right. but we're not. Right. But given our experiences as a human being, most of us would react in a similar way. Because mm. yeah. that's just the way the humans create their thoughts and beliefs. Right. Right. And when you realize that, it becomes very easy to start disengaging from the things that you believe right. are really you. Mm. So in other words, our personality okay. 
is a bunch of coping strategies. Yeah, right. And until we do deep self-exploration through whatever method, we don't realize that. We just think this is the way I am or this is how my dad is or it's not. They're just coping strategies. So this happened. I reacted this way. And so now I think that's who I am. Yes. But it's not. It's a coping strategy that I've had to pick up along the way. And when you can understand that, it's very liberating. Because mm-hmm. suddenly you realize like, wow, everything I've thought about myself isn't really true. Right. Right. Which means that I'm free uh-huh. to create and be and express my true self. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, yes. Just We're just walking, coping defense mechanisms and we're not really tapping into who we truly are and identifying with the trauma more than anything else, right? And, um, and that's because a part of us stays stuck in the trauma. Right. But we don't, our mind doesn't remember the significance of a moment in time. Right. But our body holds and stores all the information. Yes. And so our body kind of knows. That's why people use that term triggered. I get triggered, but I don't know why. I just know that, you know, I hate (laughs) this or I'm uncomfortable there. But they don't know why. And it's because our body holds the symptoms of all of our experience. And our mind might forget. Right. the significance of a moment in time. Yes, and that's also why I love uh, human behavior because the body doesn't lie because it is holding everything. So I pay attention to that more than what a person's words are saying and also their energy, right? The the intent that's really behind what's really there, not what they're really meaning. Um, it's truly important, um, you know, f- for me it is because I like to know, you know, I, I want to feel what you're really, who you are, and, and your body's going to tell me. And then in mm. essence, you know, the, Fro- the Fro- Freudian slip will happen, and you will, if you pay attention, which I love to do, there is underlying, you know, and, and you start paying attention. And it's also, you know, being loving and understanding, a deep understanding for wanting to know why this person is the way they are or why they're speaking the way they are or why do they think of themselves this way, right? Um, And I like to pay attention to these things because, you know, obviously my path, I've learned so much about myself and also through this medium of meeting these amazing people like yourself and learning. And when you have a deeper compassion for others and seeing that, that, their actions are coming from a traumatic place versus who they truly are, it really also frees you as a person receiving that person. I'm so glad you said that because that is the absolute truth. Mm. What happens with many people is they react to someone else and then there's blame and all that stuff. But for me and for you, as as you describe it, I look beyond that. I'm like, well, wow, I wonder what their story is. Yes, yes. Do you know? Because if you look at the eyes, you can kind of connect where there's a soul behind yes, there. Yes, And then the external is a story. Yes. And so the curiosity comes from me. Well, I wonder what your story is that got you there. Uh-huh. Do you know? So whether you're laying at the curbside drunk. Yeah. Or you're, <laughs> you know, sitting on a throne. Right. What's your story? 100%. What are the stories right. that have created right. 
your life or your perception of the world right. or you know it's just a curiosity it really. is it is it's and, it, and it's incredible um to i always say like pe- everybody should write their autobiography because everyone's story is different there are no two stories alike like it's a fingerprint of life and it's incredible and remarkable that we can all learn from each other that's why i love having everyone share their story because there's moments that we can all resonate with each other and connect and also when we connect we realize that we're put together as human beings by templates Mm. and so we'll have overlapping things with others that are wow that's exactly the way it is for me right but these things are different right right and so we have similarities i call them templates it's like taking consciousness where we're formless and putting together these different templates mm-hmm. or constructions constructs of informational fields. Right, right. And so then it's like, wow, you know, we have these similarities. It's like, that's exactly my story. Right. But then there's other factors that aren't. Right. right. So I, I think humans are, I think we're meant to be together. We're yes. meant to interact. Yes. We're, we're, tied together by this web of life you know i was talking to a friend and i said you know we can all run and be hermits and physically detach from each other but spiritually we're connected no matter what there's no detaching from that not at all totally agree and you can sit on a mountaintop meditating and feel as though you're the most spiritual peaceful loving person (laughs) but just spend you know a day or two in the city with lots of energy all around and you'll discover that well maybe you're not so peaceful and loving (laughs) right i think there's a quote there's a quote that says like if you think you're peaceful and calm and you healed go have dinner with your family (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's Ram Dass. That was Ram Dass. Okay, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And it's true. It's true. And also what I love about creating the space that you and I, when we're being the observer of the other person that we're interacting with, what they're not realizing is by creating the safe space, by being that listener, that the soul will actually, their soul will feel our soul and that will eventually make that connection and they won't know it will be an unconscious connection right because the soul is making the connection and be like oh, i really like lorna i just i don't know why i just really like her right and i like being around her something about her i don't know what it is um because your soul is recognizing what she's giving is what it is and i think everyone that comes to us or that we share time with mm-hmm. They give us something yeah. energetically. I, I Even clients that might feel like, you know, my life, I don't know who I am, I'm not good enough and all that stuff. They'll bring to the table something that grows me mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. into a better human yes. in some way. Yes. They add to who we are. Right. So it's like everyone can add to everyone else. Right. Because everyone is a teacher, you know. I, I, it's something I learned a long time ago, and I treat everyone as such because I'm their teacher, you're my teacher, and what are we here to learn from each other, whether it's um, a quick interaction or a lifetime friendship, right? It doesn't end. Um, I've had my best friend for 16 years, and, you know, we're still learning from each other, and it's remarkable because when you have a friendship that long or a, a relationship, you're each other's mirror. 
right? You eventually you bond where you just like, oh, okay, you're looking at each other. It's truly remarkable. Isn't it great when they can finish your sentences? Yes. Or yes. when you can be across a room in a crowded room and look at each other and you know exactly what you're thinking or laughing. I love about. That. Yes. Yes. It's truly special. And, you know, now that we're talking about this, it's, I want everyone to, to make it a point to, to see that, to make yourself the observer when you're interacting with someone. And, and the triggers, right? The triggers are not that they're doing it to you. It's something in you that is being triggered from a previous situation, trauma, or, or whatever the experience that's affecting you. And when you see that, that is also liberating. Speaking of so many liberating things, mm-hmm. when you see that it is you in control and you can go home and sit there and be like, what was it about when Lorna said X, Y, Z that made me feel in like either anxious or upset or whatever negative um, emotion that comes up for you? Explore that because you will be liberated. And then the next time someone says something relating to what triggered you, it won't anymore because you're not a prisoner of it anymore. And I think that's what enlightenment is, really. Mm. I mean, that's such a loaded word. Right. But to me, it's mm-hmm. like the more we release right. and the lighter we feel, mm. to me, that's sort of a layman's way of being enlightened. Yes. Whereas I think people tend to think you've got to do this spiritual discipline or right. practice or think a certain way. I think it's just really shedding the layers yes. that, you know, are quite heavy or weigh us down. Yes. Because if you imagine you spend a moment or a time or an evening with others who just really bring out that laughter and that mm-hmm. lightness and those good glowing feelings like you're doing now, you just smiling and yeah. glowing. <laughs> that to me is you just feel so great. Yes. It yes. just, it just raises your vibration. Oh, it yeah. makes you see the world and feel yourself in the world yeah. in a whole different way. It does. It really does. And my question to the listeners is, isn't that, don't you want more of that? Isn't that what life is about? Wouldn't you want more? So it's breaking those things, those layers. So that way you're able to be lighter and joyous and full of gratitude right? Instead of the, what, what people are always selling you happiness. No one can make you happy. No one's going to sell it to you. It's about the joyous and the gratitude and the lightness that will bring that happiness forth. And understanding that life is a roller coaster, right? You're going to have your good moments and your down moments, but it's knowing and having the tools of how to navigate that is what will make you feel that lightness and joyous even in the saddest moments it's still there it's a that foundation that you have to build within yourself you know it's also part of self-care and self-love it's it's a big important thing to do and unfold within yourself i find gratitude can sort of turn that around Mm. very quickly you can go from being quite down to just thinking of a few things that you're really grateful for and quite suddenly you just start feeling so much better. Yes. It's like one gratitude thought opens up another and it doesn't have to be anything dramatic. Right. It can be just as simple as you're just grateful you're a generous person. Mm -hmm. Right. Or or that you have a nice smile or you're willing to smile at others. 
and it just takes you right out of the yes. heavier feelings. Yes, I, absolutely. I actually did a meditation not too long ago, and um, it was about sending love out. And in order for you to do that, you had to fill yourself with the mo the the memory of the of the highest gratitude moment that you've ever had, and that is the the that fills the cup with that love. And it's astounding. If people underestimate how much gratitude is such an important, powerful tool to have, it's truly incredible. Yeah, yeah. What's one of your most gratitude moments that you would have filled a cup with? For me, is uh, it's 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 a it's so it fills me, but it also not saddens me, but it fills me, but it makes me cry. Is uh, my cat passed away three years ago? And my cat was <laughs> not a cat. He was very conscious of who he was. It was incredible. <laughs> he was my biggest teacher. And yeah. so my moment of gratitude is, it's funny because when he, he died almost 13 years old, so, but he, when he turned 10, I knew that, you know, cats' lives are short. So I made it a point to always be present with him. And by doing so, when he passed, I realized that when those present, those moments that I was present in, I can relive them as they are still today happening. Mm. So my, I loved when he would, um, he would knead on my neck mm. and lick my nose at the same time, and that oh. is my moment of gratitude. And I was. And have you felt him around you since then? Yes, yes. Um, I've had dreams with him. Even uh, when I'm extremely sad, I can sense that he's there. Um, yeah, it's truly remarkable. And knowing that, you know, not being selfish and wanting his energy with me all the time because that's unfair, knowing that I can call upon him for for anything that I may need regarding, you know, usually is when I'm having a down moment. It's when I'm like, I need you here because Aww. that unconditional love is what I'm calling for. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah they are master teachers they cats. are oh my god i mean the egyptians knew <laughs> they knew <laughs> they had them around they there's mm -hmm. it's incredible they really are you know because they also live in both realms right they both mm -hmm. always walking between both realms and they're great protectors um highly intelligent and mm, you know very i talk about their bodies how they were created like it's incredible their bodies it's and everything that comes with that physique it's i think in you know for me because i've you know i love observing and just watching every being on the planet but i think that the cat no matter what size it's such a great creation it was really well thought out and put together it's just incredible <laughs> but yeah they have the lion people which are very much of the cat family mm -hmm. in egypt yes really with Sekhmet. Uh -huh. and Bast. Are you familiar with Sekhmet? Yes, Sekhmet and Bast. Um, yeah, yeah, Sekhmet is incredible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll just tell you briefly. So every person that I met on the trip and every, and I went on a few different times and went into the Sekhmet um, temple and to mm. see her, the statue, everyone was moved. Wow. And the first time that I went, we left the hotel maybe about three, four o'clock in the morning. So we all traveled 
in the night and we could hear the singing, um, the Muslims singing and the call to prayers. Mm. It was so beautiful. And it was just very dark and quiet. And we, because there were so many of us, we had to go, we got to go in, in groups of six okay. to go into the um, Sekhmet temple where there was a massive statue of her. And I didn't really know I had a connection with her. I never even really thought right. of her. I'd like, um, there's an English writer, she's passed now, Murray Hope, who wrote about the lion people. And I was quite drawn to that, but I never really thought I had any connection. And so all I remember to this day is the two people that were in front of me. To this day, I can't remember the three that were behind me because we went in as a group of six. And so the first two, it was a husband and wife. So the husband stood behind the wife and I got to stand right in front of the Sekhmet statue. And I tell you, as soon as I walked into that little enclave where she was, I burst out crying. Oh, I cried the whole, and I'm not a crier. Wow. I cried the whole time. And it was just, I was, I don't know what happened. I was just so moved. I, to this day, I don't know what happened. I'm and I don't even remember who the three people were behind me. Wow. But everyone who has gone into the Sekhmet temple or to see her statue, mm. they've all had a profound emotional or some kind of um, experience. Wow. So I'd be quite interested to know if you do make it to Egypt and you go and see Sekhmet. I will. Um, I will. What occurs with you? I mean, there's so many temples. I want to go to the Isis temple, Hathor. I mean, oh, goodness. I think I'm just going to be crying my whole trip. <laughs> This one. Well, I hope the trips open up again. Yeah, same, same. Because um, there's some people I do know that do trips that live in um, Egypt mm. that I could put you on, and they're into the history and all that kind oh, of awesome. stuff. Fantastic. But um, yes. if you ever get to make right. it at least once. Yes. And for the listeners you, out there, yeah. um, I mean, I know what Sekhmet is uh, the goddess with the lion head. And the goddess, she's the goddess of war and the destroyer of enemies for the sun god Ra. Um, just a quick little something for the listeners out there. But um, yes, uh, I will definitely, when, when the time calls, right? Because that's mm. how it is. When, they, um, when I'm being called to go, Mm. I will definitely let you know, Lorna, and maybe, you know, who knows, maybe we'll go together. So yeah. um, so I want to thank you again for sharing your time, energy, and presence with us and me, and you're just spectacular. I just, I, I could talk about this all day with you, um, but I wanted to ask you, is there anything that you're being called to share to the listeners before um, we end this conversation? I would like your listeners to know that everything about their life is meaningful. Mm. Mm. Every single thing about who they are adds to the quality of life on earth, mm. even if they don't feel that within themselves. Right. From a spiritual perspective, that's true. And every soul that was coming into life in these transitional times knew in advance they might not remember as an individual consciously right. but every one of us were made for these times mm -hmm. and so it doesn't matter how the story looks on the outside every single one of us 
has a meaning and a personal connection to the planet. Amazing. And so I would suggest to your listeners that they realize that everything about Earth has to do with the heart. Mm. And from a numerology perspective, if you spelt the word spelled earth and spelled heart, the letters are the same. The H is just in a different place. Yes. And so every story, doesn't matter what that story looks like or feels like, it's all about that connection with the heart. Right. And the heart is very much deeply embedded in nature. And so I would want your listeners to realize that the more they connect with nature, Mm. and that could simply be just sitting out in nature or just realizing that nature is alive. Mm -hmm. Right. That its consciousness is aware of each of us and will always supply us with what we need Mm. if we're able to realize that just like the grass grows, the flowers grow, the trees grow. Right. We're very much a part of nature and we also grow right. if we allow that connection. Amazing, 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 Lorna, amazing. Thank you for those wonderful words. I Again, thank you for coming on. And I, I mean, and you know already, you've changed my life and it's just been wonderful. And, um, you know, I look forward to continuing this friendship and um until next time thank you if today's episode resonated with you in any way please subscribe to my podcast and share with anyone that may need to hear today's message You can find me at Presently Aki on all social media platforms. Gratitude donations are also accepted via Venmo at Presently Aki. My wish for all of you is to find the courage and strength to start the path to self-love through mindfulness. Because you deserve it. Remember the breath is the secret and always lead with love.